One. Uno. Uno, no card. Mr. Trent Ortz is going to be passing around uh, note cards to everybody, so everybody gets a single note card. Mr. Are we allowed to say that? Yes, of course. Absolutely. We have to make clear some of these things, especially in the day and age in which we live. All right, so while that's happening, um, we're going to be taking a little bit of extra time tonight. Um, so we're not going to be, we're probably not going to be going to prayer meeting. We'll, we'll pray together at the end and split off into some groups and pray together. Um, but on this note card, while we're doing the intro, I want you to answer three questions for me. Three questions. So on this note card, I want you to answer three questions and then you guys will turn it in because uh, we're going to use this in the future. You can put your name on it if you want. doesn't matter. Um, but I want you to answer, question number one is going to be, have you ever shared the gospel with someone? Yep. Very, very simple, yes or no. Um, have you ever shared the gospel with someone? And if you have, then put yes. If you have not, then put no. All right, and God knows if you're lying or not. Oh, good, awesome. Good for you. You get a sticker. Um, thank you, Trent. What am I writing? <laughs> have you ever shared the gospel with someone, yes or no? The second question after have you ever shared the gospel with someone, is what scares you the most about sharing the gospel with another person? What scares you the most about sharing the gospel with another person? <laughs> Spelling my words right. No, sharing, sharing the gospel. What scares, <laughs> what scares you the most about sharing the gospel with another person? And then the last question that I want you to answer is, what question or questions do you fear a person will ask you? So what question or questions do you fear a person will ask you? What scares you the most about sharing the gospel with another person? And then lastly, what question or questions do you fear a person will ask you when sharing the gospel? Question one, have you ever shared the gospel? Yay or nay? Yay or nay? I'll go with yes or no. Okay, Andy, whatever. <laughs> I'm about to kick you out. <laughs> Question number two. And you can just spend tomorrow night with me, too. Question number two. What scares you the most about sharing the gospel with another person? And question number three. What question or questions do you fear a person will ask you when you share the gospel? Yeah. This is for everybody. All of the above, because I think that as you're sharing the gospel, issues of Christianity are going to pop up and they're going to ask you questions. So I think in either in a in a Christian conversation or a spiritual conversation or in a gospel conversation. What are you afraid of? And if it can be summarized by the name of a person, you are permitted to put that person's name down. <laughs> All right, and then once you are done with that, then you can put your card up in the air, and then Ricardo, Ricky Rick, can collect him. Jamie, you're collecting him? I didn't know your name was Rick. Yeah. Man, how about that? This is going to be confusing now. It's going to be super confusing. What don't you know about the Bible? I don't know. I don't know.
Her name's not Rick either, although she's culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's at least one flesh with a Rick. <laughs> All right, good deal. Awesome. All right, while the rest of you are finishing it up, we're going to continue on. And you guys can pass your cards in as you finish. Okay, so let me do a quick intro. Because it's been a few weeks since we've been in our series on redeeming the time. So we've been doing a series on redeeming the time. And this has been our verse, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Um, I don't know. Some, some guy just really blew it in his, in his sermon and he used this verse. You know, I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so in the day and age in which we live, we have got to redeem the time. I, I, have, I have definitely had a sense of urgency in my heart and in my mind when it comes to the day and age in which we live and making sure that I am being more wise uh, with my time, with the energy that God gives me, prioritizing things, personally walking with God closer. There's just certain things that God's been bringing to my attention since we've started this series even that he's been working in me, and I hope he's been doing the same with you. Um, but the, the circumstances of our life really uh, beg us to really make sure that, to evaluate if we're really redeeming the time properly because the days are becoming increasingly evil. And see, the thing is, is that when things get uh, turned up, I guess you could say, or upturned, I'm thinking of gardening terms, you know, where you just take the soil and you kind of turn it up. When you, whenever you start to see stuff like that happen, God can do some amazing things that he couldn't do before. There's a lot of people that are a lot more receptive to the gospel and spiritual conversations because of the circumstances that we're in right now. It's a matter of if we have actually taken advantage of God uprooting our lives a little bit to hear Him and to grow with Him in certain things. I think COVID, honestly, has been a nice uh, line in the sand for a lot of people. It has caused some people to walk much more faithfully with the Lord and to grow leaps and bounds. Others have used it as an excuse to walk farther away from God. And if that's you, I don't know where you're at today, um, but if that's you on the other side where you're, you've used it as an excuse to walk farther away from God, shame on you. Because God's trying to get your attention. And time is short. I mean, I, I, I think about when I was your guys' age, and I realized that my future was ahead of me, but now that I'm at where I'm at now, I'm understanding that my life is getting shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. It's weird to me approaching my 40s over the next several years. It's weird to me. I, it's, it's just strange. It's strange to me that my father is 73 years old. It's just strange. The, the faster time goes, the, the more it slips away, and you need to be making sure that you're using your time wisely. So this series is a perfect series for us. We talked about how you're divinely designed by God, that there is not a mistake in the way that God made you, in the way that He designed you, in the place that He put you, in your family, in your circumstances, in your school, uh, with your strengths and weaknesses, everything about you, the things that you don't even like about yourself. is not a mistake. God has given us the things that we have, flaws and all, for a reason. And oftentimes I've found in my life that my greatest weaknesses are the greatest opportunity that I have to glorify God. My weaknesses tend to be one the things that I want to hide, the things that I want to um, just paint up and make them look more pretty than what they actually are because I'm prideful and I'm arrogant. But if I'm honest and I'm humble, then God can be glorified through my weaknesses. And this is why Paul said that I glory in my infirmities. I glory in my weaknesses. I want those things to be put out there because then God can actually work in me and do something with me. If I'm going to hide my weaknesses and my frailties, then God can't do anything with me because I'm just an arrogant and prideful person. And so we got to make sure that we are understanding that, that you are not a mistake. You are absolutely not a mistake. You are here 
for a reason. And we took some time a few weeks ago talking about how you, that you were made for a mission, and we talked about the work of the Lord. And the work of the Lord is comprised of two things. What are they? Evangelism. Evangelism. And discipleship. Discipleship. Sorry. <laughs> Andy found that funny. <laughs> so these two things are the two things that we were made for. Every born-again believer is made for that in some capacity. You don't have to be like somebody else. There are certain people that are extremely gifted at sharing their faith. There are certain people that are extremely gifted when it comes to discipleship. But you need to learn how to do the work of the Lord based on how God made you. That's what you need to do. And so what does that look like? I mean, there are some people that can just walk up to a perfect stranger and strike up a gospel conversation and lead them to the Lord right on the spot. There are other people that that will never happen. But are you still trying to get the gospel out there? Because you can pass out tracts. You can have spiritual conversations with people. You can have friendships with people and then lead them to the Lord. All these things are possible. But if you're so ashamed of Jesus Christ that you won't even open up your mouth, well, now that becomes a sin issue. So we are all made for this mission, evangelism and discipleship. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago. So we're going to talk about tonight... And we're going to start it. We're going to see how far we get. It may go into two, maybe three weeks. We'll see how this goes. Uh, but we're going to be talking about evangelism. And I want to take some time to, especially next week, to do some more interactive stuff. Um, and so I want to take some of the questions that you guys have written on your note cards. And I want to use those questions to our advantage. This is a opportunity where many of you are going to feel like idiots. You're going to feel like morons, like you don't even know what you're talking about. But here's the reality, and this is true, and we talk about this in JBI. We want to create an environment in our youth ministry where you can start to exercise some of these things because sharing the gospel with someone else in this room as a trial run will be a lot harder than it would be going out there and doing it in real life, number one. Number two, you can make mistakes and sound like an idiot here, and it's okay. I mean, for the most part, it's okay. I mean, you might get made fun of a little bit, but it's okay. It's, it's okay. It's okay because this is where we learn. I can't tell you how many times when I was younger during our vacation Bible school training that we had to stand up and give the gospel in front of my peers and it was extremely difficult and it was embarrassing and it was nerve-wracking as all get out but it was so much better to do that and it helped me to get certain feedback about things that I missed or things that I should have said or how I said this it wasn't clear and getting that feedback so that way when I went and taught these little kids the gospel and different Bible stories that I was a much better teacher and it was so much better to teach little kids than it was to stand up in front of my peers but it's helpful to do it so is it scary absolutely are you going to be embarrassed a little bit? Sure, absolutely. But the point is, is to be exercised. And if you can have enough boldness to stand up here and have a conversation with someone else in this room about the gospel or about some of these questions that you're afraid to answer, then you're going to be able to go out and do this out there. And God's going to give you some great opportunities for it. So don't be afraid about it. It's a little nerve-wracking, but it'll be a lot of fun. And we're all going to learn a lot from each other as we work through it. So we're going to do that over the next couple weeks. So, when it comes to evangelism, we're going to utilize your note card questions for that. Um, but I do want to show you a quick little video because I, we've showed this before. It's just so funny. I'm like, we got to do it again. But this is definitely how not to evangelize. Bless you. 
Hey, how's it going, man? I'm the normal, my usual. Yeah, actually, we have a couple girls in line already. If I just need to move to the back, then I'll help you as soon as I'm done with them. Sorry about that. Last day first, first three last. Dude, do you go to church at all? Do you go to church at all? So, do you go to church at all? Hey, is this seat open? Hey, is this seat available? Uh, dude, I just want to knock out some demos real quick. Spend some time with Jesus. I woke up kind of late this morning. Yeah, come on, sit down. Let me sit down. I just want to share something from God's Word. He hit me up in my devos this morning, and I was like, I got to share this. Genesis 1 1. Thirsty, man. Genesis 1? Yeah. Yeah, I know the living water. I was noticing that you're drawing some stuff over here. Back before when I wasn't a Christian, I was making so much money as a graphic designer. You been born again? You been born again? Born again? And you go walking in the flesh. I mean, obviously you don't really know God. Your tattoos and you know your ear and stuff. You You're not realizing that there is a God. He sent Jesus to die for you. Why don't you see that? And in chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, I just go to these crazy parties. It was crazy. Well, I mean, just cash like crazy. But uh, but I've left all that behind. Now I'm a Christian. You can't live like that God. He's not real. He's here. I can't see him. I'm stuck getting here. Yeah, you can't touch him. Yeah, you can't touch Africa. But Africa exists. <laughs> Too blessed to be stressed by the devil's mess. What's happening in the past in your life Jesus Christ? Right. It's probably the sin in your life is what's going on. Scared? Hell is scared. Not today. Not tomorrow. She's going back. You're going back. What do you think you're going to Man, that sounded hot. I wonder how hot hell is. Hopefully you don't go there. Oh, this is good. The New Testament is so applicable. Have you guys noticed this? Hey, you got to be washed by the blood of the Lamb. I mean, so that you are justified, sanctified, future glorified. I and mean, this is amazing. you got to come out. Do you drive a Volkswagen? Yeah, yeah, I do. But regardless, man, you got to come to church. Hey, remember what I said? Hell is scary. <laughs> So, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. That would not be the right way to go. All right. So, in light of that, um, hopefully none of you do that. If you do, oh, my gosh. Um, but, we, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, where do I begin? So, when you, when you think about the topic of evangelism, this has been something I've been thinking about. And I've been really trying to meditate on, trying to put myself in your guys' perspective and even looking at my own life, is where do I begin? And the very first place that we have to begin is with prayer. We have to begin with prayer. Um, so turn over to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. Now this is something that, honestly, the Lord has been... Uh, working on me when I was in Florida, there was a, a series on prayer that the pastor down at Tri-City Baptist did. And I mean, it really, I mean, it really affected me. And he did it on prayer over two days. And it was something that really just impacted me a lot. And, um, and I really honestly think that we do not emphasize prayer enough in our own life. And, uh, and you guys need to do, you guys need to change things up in your life. If prayer is not a key aspect of your walk with God, then there is something definitely, definitely wrong. But when it comes to evangelism, the first thing we got to talk about is prayer. Take a look at Colossians 4, and somebody read for me verses 3 through 6. 3 through 6. All right, Timmy, go ahead. With all praying also for us, that God would open, up, open a, unto us a door of utterance, and speak the mystery of Christ, for which... I am also in bonds, that it that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be allay, alway with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer everyone. Okay, so in verse three, Paul is specifically asking for the people of Colossae to pray for them 
And he says specifically that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest or clear as I ought to speak. So he knows he should be speaking the gospel. And so he's asking people to pray on his behalf for open doors, open doors for him to be able to speak, to speak about Jesus, to speak about this mystery of Christ, talking about the gospel. And then he talks about walking in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time, which sounds eerily familiar to Ephesians chapter five. And then let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. So this was one of Paul's prayer requests. So that's huge because, you know, I would not think of Paul as someone who needs prayer to evangelize. Like he just did it. Like he was just awesome at it. But here he's asking for prayer. So that tells me that there were times where he really struggled. He struggled with talking about these things with people. And here he's asking for prayer. Take a look at Matthew 7. Now we know this verse, but in the context of prayer, I think it changes things. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. I love this progression because ask, seek, and knock. There's three different things. Asking is just a verbal request. Seeking, now you're actively going after it and you're trying to find it. And knocking, you're being even more active and you're actually knocking on doors to see if anything's open. How do you pray? Because if you're praying for open doors, you'll be asking God for them. And then if you really have a heart for it, you will be seeking the open doors. And then you'll even try to go and find them by knocking on certain doors. I love this. This is how God wants us to pray. And this has always been a rule of God. You'll see this throughout the scriptures. Sometimes God never gives you something because you never ask. And I think sometimes we're afraid to ask, God, please give me an open door where I can share the gospel with somebody. God, please have someone cross my path that I can share the gospel and win them to you, that they can actually get saved. Why not pray for that? That's incredible. Like, why would God not want to answer that prayer? But I think a lot of us, we just don't ask, and we don't seek, and we don't knock. And I think sometimes we'll ask, but then we won't seek or knock. Like, we'll be content just to ask God for it, but then we won't go after it. And we shouldn't be that way. We should be asking, we should be seeking, and we should be knocking. So letter A on this one, under prayer. The closer you walk with the Lord, the more of His heart you receive. So the closer you walk with the Lord, the more of His heart you receive. And this is just normal. Like this is something as you spend more time with God in prayer and you really have quality time in the Word of God together with Him, the more like Him you become. And this shouldn't be of any surprise, but that is true. I mean, it's the truth of it. And so there are several verses here. We don't have time to go through every single one of them, but these are some really good verses. So if you are walking closely with him, you're going to be more like him, which means that you're going to love the lost hurting in the wayward. You're going to have a heart for people that are lost. You're going to understand with a sober mind that if they'd never received Jesus Christ as their Savior, that if they die, they're going to go to hell and spend eternity separated from God. And if that doesn't move your heart, there's something seriously wrong with your heart. You're probably so self-absorbed about your own life that you have no consideration for the people around you, which is terrible. But we can get that way because of the deceitfulness of sin. Sin has a way of really numbing us to the reality of things. But if you really let the Word of God dwell in you richly, you're going to understand that the lost people, man, they're in a world of hurt. And we've got something that they need. And that is absolutely true. You're going to have a heart for people that are hurting. And that's lost and saved. You're just going to be compassionate. You're going to care for them. And you're going to care for people that are wayward. Because a wayward Christian can't do anything for the Lord. 
I mean, how many times did Jesus seek someone out who was wayward? Or how many parables did he give? I think about, you know, the, uh, um, the Good Samaritan. I think about that one that he gave. I think about, uh, you know, the 99 sheep, and he goes and he finds the one. I think about, um, you know, the, uh, um, the prodigal son. I mean, there, there are several that are out there like that that Jesus puts out there. He cares for people that are wayward because they're not able to glorify God because they're wayward. So we can get so wrapped up in our life in our world that we never look outward towards the people around us. We never see people that are lost. We never see people that are hurting. We never see people that are wayward because we don't want to. Because we have too much going on in our own heart and our own mind to really care about the things of God. Well, the more time you spend with God, the more that changes. It has to change. It will change. You'll start to care deeply about the people around you. There's nothing greater that will unify this youth ministry than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater. Because once you really understand what God has done for you, you can't help but to have a heart for the people around you. You can't help. It just happens. So you're, you're going to love them. Number two, you will not be willing that any should perish. You're going to have a heart that God has. And it says in 2 Peter 3.9 that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that's every single person. There's no limitations on the gospel and God's heart for people. We'll put limitations on people. Like there's certain people that may annoy us or drive us insane, but that doesn't happen with God. Like take the most annoying person in the world and God died for them too. He cares about them and he doesn't want anyone to perish. Number three, you will have compassion, making a difference. Jude 22 and 23 talks about that. You can only make a difference in this world if you truly have biblical compassion. If you do not have biblical compassion in your heart towards others, you're not going to make any difference in the world. There's no way. Number four, you'll be purified in your own life. 1 John 3, 3 says that when you have this hope of seeing Christ face to face, that you will purify your own life. The closer to God that you get, the more it purifies you. The more there are certain things that you've just got to get out because you know it's getting in the way. Hebrews talks about how God is a consuming fire, and the closer you get to God as the consuming fire, He will naturally consume things in our life that shouldn't be there. And so you will purify your own life. You will be ready to give an answer to any man. Now, there are so many things that I've learned about the Scriptures, and I've shared the Gospel enough, and I've, gone, and I've been in enough circumstances that I feel pretty equipped in almost any given circumstance, but I don't know everything. But I feel like I know enough about God and His heart and enough about the Word that I'm, I'm not afraid to get into any kind of conversation. I may not be able to handle it the best way, but the only way that can happen is if you get out there and you start doing it. That's the only way that's going to happen. The more time you spend in the Bible, the more time you spend explaining the Bible, the more time you spend talking to people about the Bible and trying to lead them to the Lord, the more you're going to understand things that get in the way in people's minds against the Word of God. The more you're going to be able to figure out how to navigate through those things and to help someone to see the truth for what it is. And if you never do it, then you're never going to be good at it. It's just like riding a bike. I mean, I, unless you guys are just like amazing creatures, like you just hopped on a bike and just started riding and no one stopped you ever since. <laughs> like, no, I fell a lot. I did. My kids fell a lot and they were scared. I got injured. But, you know, it took time and then I was able to be more proficient at it. It's the same thing with anything else that we learn. And then, number six, you'll prioritize and be fruitful in the work of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, we are supposed to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always. But you will prioritize it. The closer you are with God, the more time you spend with God, the more you're going to see that that is what really matters. And you will let go of certain things that do not give God glory. You just do. I just know several times in my life where there are certain things that I let go. And I've shared my testimony many times on this. 
When I gave up basketball, I love basketball, it's so much fun. But I gave up basketball because it was taking up so much of my time and my energy, and I decided that I could better use my time and my energy investing it into music and being more involved in my youth ministry because I knew that would actually give God more glory. I'd be able to bear more fruit by not doing this and start doing more of this. You gotta prioritize it. If you don't walk with God and you're not close to them, you'll never, you'll never start to hear some of those things that He wants you to hear in order to help you prioritize. But the most important thing that you could ever do in your life is the work of the Lord. The most important thing. I don't care what it is. Come to the end of your life and the most important thing that you can do for the Lord is the work of the Lord. That's it. Everything else is just fluff. And then lastly, you will work in perspective of the judgment seat of Christ. You're going to understand that there is a day coming where you will be with your Savior face to face and you are going to give an account for your Christian life. And in that day, it's going to be clear about the things you should have prioritized. <laughs> but why wait for that day? God's given you enough of His Word and He's given you enough of His Spirit and He's given you enough of a church in order to try to help you to prioritize some things in your life. The issue is if you're just willing to listen. That's the only thing. So praying, spending time with God. Spending time with God, that's really at the core of it. Because, let her be here, it is God's will for the lost to be saved and for the saved to grow, be fruitful, and multiply. We know that because of John 15 and 17 where it talks about that. This is His will. So the Lord will answer every single prayer about these things. Every single one of them. Take a look at this verse. I love this verse. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So the Son is glorified when the Father is glorified, and that's when we bear much fruit. And that's what it says in John 15, 8. And that fruit should remain, John 15, 16. And the only way you're going to be able to bear fruit is being able to get the Word of God out there. And there's a, there's a verse that we're going to hit a little bit later if we've got some time. It's so good. It's so good when it comes to that one, how to bear fruit properly, and we're going to talk about that. So you've got to pray. I'll give you an example. Um, so since Florida, God, obviously I told you, he, he really convicted me on my prayer and the time I'm spending with God in prayer. And so I've been trying to really work hard at really prioritizing my personal time with God in prayer. And so... Um, you know, it's been tough some mornings. It's been tough at times throughout the day to really focus my heart and my mind on it, but it's been a lot better. And uh, one of the things that I noticed as I've been doing this and really spending more heart-to-heart -heart quality time with God, literally allowing my heart to touch God's heart each day so I can just kind of hit the reset button. Um, I was out to lunch with uh, Gracie's dad on Friday. And we were at Rockneys. I love Rockneys. Rockneys is like one of my favorite places to go. They just got the best salads. I love their salads. I don't get anything else because their Italian dressing is like the best I've ever had. I was really ticked a couple years ago when they got rid of their Italian dressing. I was really upset, like royally ticked. Um, but they brought it back, so everything's okay now. Um, we were there, and we had a waitress, and I had a track. Um, I think it was in my car. I can't remember, but I had a track with me. And she did a great job, and she came back and forth, and... I know a lot of people, they get in the habit of giving tracks to the waiter, waiters and waitresses at restaurants. I've heard through the years after being there that a lot of the waiters and waitresses get a lot of tracks from people, which I think is awesome. But there was part of me where I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I should approach this differently. So I just decided to. And it's been a long time since I've passed out a track to a waiter or waitress because there are some times where I just hesitate and I just don't do it. I chicken out. 
So I decided in this moment I'm going to do something a little bit different. So I pulled out one of my business cards that has my name, you know, pastor of the church, has directions to the church, has all the information about the church. And so I stopped her before she left and I said, hey, I wanted to give you something before we left. I said, you probably get a lot of tracks, right? And she's like, yeah, we actually do get a lot of tracks. I'm like, yeah, okay. So well, I wanted to do something a little bit different. I wanted to give you a card to our church and it's got my information on it. But I don't know if you go to church anywhere or if you, if you have a relationship with God at all or not or anything, but I just wanted to invite you to our church. Uh, we're a church that we believe what the Bible says and it's really changed my life and my eternity. And I pointed to Jeff too. I said, it's really changed us completely. And so I just wanted you to know that you're welcome to come if you don't have a place to go. And she was super sweet about it. And she said, yeah, I believe in God. And she left it at that. And she said, I really do appreciate it. And then she took it and she left. Now, I don't know if she's going to do anything with it. But what I found was it was so much easier to do that after I had just spent a week with God in a much more intimate way. Like it was just, it was very natural. It was very sweet. It was very comfortable. And so what I'm learning, even at my age now, is that if I'm hesitant in sharing the gospel or trying to create an opportunity, then there's something that is disconnected in my personal relationship with God. Like there's something that's off. And because it should be something very normal, something very natural for a Christian to do. Because the more in love with God you are, the more of God's heart you have for this world. And you just can't help but to want to be able to talk to people about Him. Because it's the one thing that this world needs. And so prayer has got to be a priority. It's, been, it's made a difference in my own heart, in my own life. And I know I'm going to be challenged on these things. You know, I tend to be the one to create a relationship first and then give the gospel. That's usually my, my natural way of going about it. I think it's a lot easier for me to do that. But I'm also not afraid to, to jump into a conversation, especially if they bring something up. But starting things off cold turkey is something that's always been a challenge for me. It just always has been because of my personality and uh, in the way that I normally process things. But that's something that I noticed made an impact with me. So prayer. Start praying about it. If you really want to glorify God and bear fruit, you need to start praying about opportunities. You've got to start praying. About it. And you've got to mean it. And it's not just asking just to appease your conscience. It's asking, seeking, and knocking. Really praying for God to give you some open doors in order to share the gospel or to be able to help somebody that's wayward. If you're not praying about it, then why would you expect something just to happen and drop into your lap? It's not the way it works. You need to be praying about it, and it will help you tremendously. All right, so second thing. So starting off with prayer, but second thing, you got to know the gospel. you got to know the gospel. And so I've shared this pattern uh, for years. Um, and so let's split up some of these verses so we can get them. So uh, let's divvy them up. So we'll start in, um, who will take Psalm 145, 17? All right, Emily. Numbers 23, 19. All right, Alana. Um, Ecclesiastes 7, 20. You got that one, Kendall. And then uh, Isaiah 59, 2. Timmy, 64, 6. You got that one, Ethan. Um, Sam, go ahead and take the... Uh, actually, you can take the Romans 10, 9, and 10 and verse 13, which you might know the one already. And then everyone else, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. All right. So, after working through different things, and we actually cover this in our VBS training. It's been something that I've worked through after a lot of years of trying to simplify things and trying to teach um, the gospel. But you've got to know the gospel. You have to know it inside and out. If you don't know the gospel, you're never going to be able to truly explain it to somebody. So as I've worked through this in my own heart and mind, I've really landed on these five things, these five keys of the gospel. So the first thing is God's holiness. God's holiness. Now, there's no particular order 
that you have to really start from when it comes to these five things. But I will say, if you're going to share the gospel in its entirety, you will have to hit something on all five of these. So God's holiness, God's holiness. Psalm 145, 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. Okay, so he's righteous in all his ways and holy in all of it. So he is holy. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Okay, so God is not a man. So I like how it starts to even build a contrast where God is holy, he is perfect, he is pure, and he is not like man. So we'll talk about the significance of that in a minute. Let's go through all five. So secondly is man's sinfulness. So God's holiness, and secondly, man's sinfulness. Man's sinfulness. And we know Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Ecclesiastes 7.20 For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good in sin. Okay, so there's no one. There's no one upon the earth that, that doesn't sin. Everybody sins. So Ecclesiastes 7.20 is another really good verse for that one. Man is sinful. And then thirdly, sin's consequence. Sin's consequence. Isaiah 59.2 But your iniquities have separated between you and God, you and your God, and you and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not fear that he will not hear. Okay, so based on that verse, Timmy, what two things does sin cause? Um causes separation from God and yep. causes hang on, give me a sec. You're good. Um he can't really hear us. Yeah, him to hide his face because he can't behold iniquity. So sin's consequence is division. Division. There is a separation that now exists between you and God. That's, sin always does that. I don't care how you paint it. Sin causes division. It causes division between people. But more importantly, it causes division between you and God. Sin causes great division that cannot be repaired outside of the grace and mercy of God. Isaiah 64, 6. We are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquity, like the wind, have taken us away. I love this verse for many reasons, but one of the things that it says there, very particularly, is that in all our righteousnesses, it's one of those wonderful words, the righteousnesses, it says, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of God. So even the things that you think that you can do are unrighteous in the sight of God. So that rules out all religions because all religion does is, hey, yeah, you messed up, so go ahead and do this and you can make up for the bad stuff. But God says, nah, that's not even going to cut it because all your righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So even the things that you think you can do to try to make up for the wrong that you've done, those are even unrighteous. So you're, you're pretty much done. So sin has a consequence. And then God's solution. God's solution. 2 Corinthians 5. 21. I love this verse. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous of God in him. God's solution was giving himself. We can't bridge the gap. There's nothing we can do. So God gave himself and he became sin for us. And he didn't know any sin that we might be made the righteous of God in him. What an unbelievably unfair trade that God made on our behalf. He's willing to give us His righteousness and take on our sin. That's unbelievable. I, I, it's one of those things I am baffled. Every time I think about it, I am absolutely baffled that God would do that for me. But God provided a solution. And so now it comes down to your choice. Your choice. And that choice is completely your choice. And that's number five. Your choice. Romans 10, 9, and 10 and verse 13. 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved for with the heart man for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yes, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, before you flip, hold on, I want you to look at this. Okay, these are the five keys of the gospel for a reason. It really doesn't matter where you start off. It really doesn't. So if you're having a conversation with somebody and you start to bring up something and you start off with man's sinfulness, uh, you could start off with man's sinfulness and then just go back to God's holiness and talk about that. But the reason why it's important to cover all these things is because there's a lot of people that are just so skewed by religion or their idea of God or their idea of the Bible that this is a great way to make sure that you're covering it in its entirety. But you've got to hit on God's holiness because that really hits the reason why we have a problem. The reason why we have a problem with God is because He's not like us. He's been untouched by sin. He's, he doesn't even know sin. It says very clearly in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that He was made sin for us who knew no sin. He didn't know it. Like He was never intimate with it. He wasn't personal with it. He didn't know anything about it because it has nothing to do with His nature. So that's why I've often used an illustration of a white t-shirt that is completely white, completely brand new, and then you have a permanent marker that goes on it and starts to mark it up like the sins in your life. Because that white shirt has nothing to do with the permanent marker, but the moment that permanent marker now touches the white t-shirt, now you've got a problem. You're not going to be able to get it out. So the moment you sin one time, now we have a problem. So God is holy. His nature is holy. He can't be in the presence of anything sinful outside of His grace and mercy. And the only reason why He has grace and mercy is because of the solution that He provided through Jesus Christ. So our sinfulness in God's holiness provides a stark contrast that there's no way that a person can have a relationship with God in their sinful state. There's no way. Absolutely no way. Doesn't matter what man says. Doesn't matter what man does. Even all the good things you think or say or do won't even come close. There's absolutely no way to bridge that gap. And that is part of the consequence. And that consequence leads to death. And that is what we deserve. There's a lot of people that don't believe that. But that is absolutely true. Because of our sin, we deserve to die. We deserve to be separated from God. That is what we justly deserve. We are not good people. I don't care what this world says. I don't care what politicians say. I don't care what psychologists say. I don't even care what other churches say or other pastors say or their Bibles. I don't even care what they say. The truth is we are sinners and there's nothing we can do about it. And we deserve death and hell and separation from God for all eternity. But God provided a solution because he loves us so much. He loves us so much that He never wanted us to die. He never wanted us to be separated. And so He decided to take the hit. It is the greatest story I've ever heard in my life. And He made the solution in such a way that it is all up to you. It is your choice whether or not to believe it and receive it or leave it behind. That covers the gospel in its entirety. So you can start off with a person's choice. You can start off with your sinfulness. You can start off with what sin does. You can start off with God's solution. But if you're going to cover the gospel in its entirety you're going to have to hit all five points. And there's some people you don't need to do that with because some people know they're a sinner. So you don't need to talk about it because they know they've messed up and they do not measure up when it comes to God. And so let's keep going on point number two. All right, letter B. So here's the reality of the situation. Turn to John 12. This is kind of a cool passage. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Okay, very simple question. Very simple question. Are you saved? Yes. Okay, <laughs> okay, thanks. Are you saved? If so, 
then you know how to lead someone else to the Lord. Now, this is very rudimentary and very basic, but very, very powerful. If you are saved, then you can lead someone to the Lord. Because if you've trusted in Christ as your Savior, then you know what you need to do to come to that spot to trust Christ as your Savior and to get saved. So you should be able to articulate that to somebody else. If you cannot articulate that to somebody else, there is a pretty good chance you're not saved. I just want to make that clear, abundantly clear. If you cannot articulate the gospel to somebody else, then you probably are not saved because you've got to know it. You've got to be able to know what you did in order for it to actually take place in your life. So think about that. Look at John 12. This is kind of a couple cool verses. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir we would see Jesus. So these Greeks wanted to see Jesus, and they went and they found Philip. In verse 22, Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. So this is interesting. I don't know why Philip didn't go to Jesus directly, but it kind of gives you a little bit of insight that Andrew had a little bit of a different relationship with Jesus. Andrew wasn't afraid to go and talk to Jesus about these guys, but Philip went to Andrew first. So when it comes to this very simple concept, like our job is to bring people to the Lord. And so if you know him and you know how to get to him, then you can turn around and lead people there. It's very simple. It's very simple, but very powerful. Letter C. Take time to meditate on the magnificence of the gospel that our Lord Jesus Christ authored, finished, and purchased with his own blood. And I, I mean this. Like, this is something that you may think I'm crazy about or whatever, but I'm dead serious about this. Have you ever truly meditated on the gospel? Like, really thought about it? Like, to sit down and to work through some of these verses and to think about your own self and your own life and God and why you would do that. Like, when you sit and you really meditate on the gospel, you really start to understand a dynamic of the gospel that is just unbelievable and magnificent and glorious and it leaves you speechless. Like it literally leaves you speechless to the point where you're like, why God would you die for me? Like why? Why? I, I, I can't, I, this is something that I just can't get past. Like I know who I am. When I look in the mirror and I evaluate my life and I understand who I am and the mistakes that I've made and my sinful tendencies and my disgusting flesh and the things that I am tempted to do and the things that I did I do and the mistakes that I make I, I stand in awe of the fact that God even cares about me like I I don't deserve anything to do with him period and yet he looks with love upon me with grace and compassion and reaches out of heaven to touch me where I'm at like I I, I, I don't understand it I believe it I totally believe with all my heart. I don't, I don't get it. But when you really meditate on the gospel and you start to really understand it, man, you, you can share that with somebody. You absolutely can. And you'll know it inside and out. And this is exactly what Paul did. Go to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. Man, it is getting hot in here. Anybody else warm? Oh my God! Yeah. We should probably crack open that door. Let's do that. 
All right, Romans chapter 2. Figured it's either the temperature or conviction. One or the other. I don't know. Maybe it's both. I don't know. All right. So in Romans chapter 2, take a look at verse, um, let's see, which one do I have down here? Uh, 16. And I don't know if you've seen this before, but this is, this is interesting. So Paul's speaking here, and he says, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. That's your blank here. My gospel. You need to do what Paul did and really allow the gospel to become my gospel. Now, I don't know if you understand this or not. I hope that you do. But the gospel has become so precious to me that when God saved me and I really begin to meditate and really consider what he's done for me, like the gospel is my life. Like it's everything that I am. I, 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 I am nothing without the gospel. Like literally, like when you really think it through, if it wasn't for the gospel, I would have no hope. I would not know God. I would be utterly devastated and, and there would be no way out. And so then the only conclusion is just live it up for the time that I've got and then I'm out. And then I'll spend the rest of my eternity in hell because this will be the only heaven that I'll ever experience. That's the reality of the circumstance. But because of the gospel and how it has saved me and changed me and given me an eternity that I can count on and I can be sure of, and it has changed everything about me, and then when I consider how incredible it is and how magnificent it is, it has now become my gospel. Like my identity is now wrapped up in the gospel. And Paul understood this very clearly to the point where, I don't know if he realized what he was doing when he wrote this, but he says, there's going to come a day where everyone's going to be judged according to my gospel. <laughs> he just put it out there. And he didn't just do it one time. Take a look at chapter 16 of Romans. Look at chapter 16. Romans 16. And uh, verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which is kept secret since the world began. There it is, just my gospel thrown right in there. And then take a look at the uh, last one, 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's right next to 1 Timothy in case you're having a hard time finding it. 2 Timothy 2. Take a look at verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. According to my gospel. Now the gospel wasn't his per se, because who authored it? Jesus did. God did. It's his gospel. But yet Paul, his life was so bound in the gospel, and it so redefined his life and transformed everything about him that it became his. And I think that put a smile on God's face. I really do. Because I think that's what God always intended. I think when he authored the gospel for you, he wanted it to become yours. And so many of us just call it the gospel. <laughs> it's yours. It's yours if you really want it. So you've got to know the gospel inside and out. You've got to know it. And then thirdly, you just got to go. you just got to go. you just got to go. Experience in our walk and the work can only come when we obey. That, that's it. That's it. I mean, you only gain experience... When you actually go and you do it. I know that's crazy, but it's very true. Like the only way you're going to get experience is by actually getting up and putting it into action. 
and making sure that you're being obedient to it. That's the only way you're going to learn. That's the only way. We cannot disobey and glorify God. Again, super powerful, very complex. (laughs) But you cannot disobey and glorify God. I don't know which one of you needs to hear that one tonight, but that's real simple. But it's very important because our, our sinful behavior can be so deceitful that we somehow think that we can be disobedient to God and then still make Him happy. And that just can't happen. It can't happen. You cannot disobey and glorify God. Luke 6.46, Jesus says, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? A very convicting verse. One of my favorite verses on that one. And then lastly on, on go, do not allow the glorious gospel to be silenced by your generation. Don't let it happen. And the only way that the gospel is not going to be silenced by your generation is if you get out there and actually share it with somebody in some way, shape, or form. So a couple of things to remember, and I want to, I want to leave with this, and then next week we're going to be spending some time really working through some details of it. And we're going to hit these things on things to remember, but I want you to really want to get your, your minds around this. The Lord commanded His disciples to go and to preach the gospel. He commanded them to. He commanded them to go and to preach the gospel. And so it's not just an option. He commanded them to go. The future generations of the work of the Lord depended upon them being faithful and being obedient. If they would have chosen not to go and share the gospel, we would not be here today. We would not be able to have the Bible that we have today. We would not have any hope at all. Communicating the gospel properly varies in each interaction and conversation. We're going to talk about this more next week in real life as we kind of work through stuff. But communicating the gospel properly, it will vary in each interaction and each conversation. And so what you have to do is you need to keep this in mind. You need to meet the person where they are and lead them from there. And we'll talk more about that next week. We'll take a look at those passages in Acts 8 and in Acts 17. And then lastly, go to Colossians 1 on this point, because I want you to see this one. This one's a good one. This one's a really good one. Colossians 1. I wrote this one out the other day, and man, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Colossians 1. So the gospel is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believeth. That's Romans 1.16. But it is the power of God into salvation. And we must trust in the authority of God that the gospel will do its work. So that means, by the way... I'll just say this in a different way. That means that when you share the gospel, you can totally mess it up and God's still going to use it. Because it's not about you. It's not about you being articulate. It's not about you having all the right answers. It's about you getting the Word of God out there and letting it do its thing. Because it is way powerful and way smarter than anything you got to offer. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way, but you need to start thinking about it that way. Even the littlest things that you do, if you get the Word of God out there, man, it can, it can work in someone's life like you would not believe. I think oftentimes someone's ability to receive the gospel depends upon my ability to articulate it. Have you ever thought that? I have. That is not true. That is a total lie. Because I feel like sometimes where I've articulated the best, nothing happened. And there are times where I've just totally messed stuff up and they seem to get it and they were very interested. And I'm like, how does this work out? God's like, hey, listen, I got this. But take a look at Colossians 1. I thought this was really good. Colossians 1, verse 5 and 6. It says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of truth, in the word of truth, that's the Bible, the scriptures, in the word of truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. Notice in verse 6, it does not say 
that you are the one that brings forth fruit. Do you realize that? That's not what it says. It says the word of truth in verse 5 of the gospel, that it, that that brings forth fruit. The gospel brings forth fruit. Now, God tells you as his disciple, go and bear much fruit and so shall you be my disciples, right? That's what he said in John 15. Clear it. If you bear fruit, you're my disciple. But here it says that it's the word of truth. It's the word of truth of the gospel that actually bears fruit. So that means that a faithful disciple will take the word of truth and give it to someone. And then that is what bears the fruit. Not you. You are the vehicle through which the word of God gets into people. And then it does its thing. Don't be arrogant. I can be arrogant at times to think that it's about me articulating it properly. And if I don't put that, doggone it, if I don't take that seed, and if I don't put it in this spot, in their heart, man, there's nothing that's going to happen. Come on. Like, that's ridiculous. That's not how things work. You put the seed out there, and then God does the work. Like, that's what he does. And we should be articulate for sure. We should have answers to people's questions for sure, because it will enhance your ability to do it. But don't be so arrogant to think that it all depends upon that and then you don't open your mouth because you're not prepared in all those other areas. You get me? That's the point. That's the point. You'll be amazed at what God can do if you're just faithful and you have a right heart attitude and you got good motives about it. Man, God will take it and He will run with it. He will run with it. It's amazing. So, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Never forget that. Someone else's faith that will save them comes by them hearing the Word of God. Okay? Remember that. Because that word of God is this right here. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It is the word of God that helps people to come to that spot where they are born again, and God will do some amazing, amazing things with it. So, we've got that. Now, here's part two. So, we had the first video. Now, this is actually a much better way to evangelize. Um, but it's the same guy, same circumstances, just a little bit different. Uh, yeah, uh, my brother's in jail. 
I'll definitely be praying for you. I'm in here a lot, so did I'll be keeping that in prayer. By the way, I'm Jason. What was your name? Cameron. Okay, pleasure to meet you. God bless you. Knowing that your sin is forgiven. And so it just comes back down to knowing Jesus died for you because he loves you. I always carry him on me, just in case. There you go. So right down the street, easy to understand. I mean, essentially, it's just about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so just invite you out to it. Grab a Volkswagen, right? Yeah, I do. All right. Yeah, so that was a little bit better, a little bit better. So, um, so I really hope this was something just to make you think a little bit. Uh, but next week, I really want to take some of your guys' questions and stuff, and I want to do some more interaction. So it'll be a lot of fun. So don't be scared. Um, don't just like, well, I'm not, gonna, I'm not feeling well. <clears throat> I've got the COVID. Yeah, right. Whatever. Get to church. <laughs> yeah, Andy. Can I share something that's really good? Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Think about you. No. Yeah, you can. Again, this is not about me, but this this time is exactly what Stephen was just saying. So today I had to I had to work late and I had someone come in today that was a suspect for a case I'm investigating and I can't give you the details, but it's a big deal. So anyway, she came in, she was crying, she knew, she's like, I don't want to go to jail. I said, Don't worry, you're not gonna go. It's all right, you know, I just gotta talk to you about this. Forty-five minute interview goes by and I, and I just was real with her, just very real. Well, she made comments in there today that you know she's filled she should not be living anymore, she'd be better off. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, God's telling me to say something. <laughs> well, I can't in an interview room because you have to separate church, state, and all that stuff. But afterwards, I'm obligated to report how she was feeling suicidal. And we met back in my office. I said, hey, I'm the only one up here. I'm off the clock now. I'm going to tell you something before you leave here. And I got to share my testimony with her, and she allowed me to. And I said, um, you know, I don't typically do this as often as I should, but I just really felt like I had to just based on the situation that how it's unfolding. And I said, you know, you go to church anywhere. She's like, well, I'm, you know, my husband and I are really religious. That's great, me neither. Great segue. I'm telling you this because at people's most vulnerable times is when it's hot, honestly. Look at the time, I mean, you can go up to anybody at any time, obviously, but when someone's really hurting, I mean, this chick walked in with, what do they call them, Kleenex, tissues in her hands. So I just like, boom, I got this one. Well, anyway, I'll tell you her name, it's Lindsay. That's all I can tell you. But be praying for her because she's going to be going through a lot in the next couple months. I invited her tonight. I said, you don't even have to tell anybody anything, really. But she might show up this Sunday, her and her husband. So, because they don't go to church anywhere. She knew exactly where we were. And it was nice that I was just able to, I said, just to share with her my testimony and, and try to relate in, in some sense. Because she's a very good person, but obviously very lost and contemplated suicide. And it made me bring up... Well, if you killed yourself, and it was, I'm, I'm talking to her just like I'm talking to you. So if you killed yourself, where would you go? She couldn't say. And then she started crying more and more and more. So strike with the iron's hot. Mm -hmm. Okay? Because we've talked about this. <laughs> Not finding to anybody out. But it's true. I know you all have friends right now that are in difficult positions, difficult places right now. That's a great time to meet them there. Mm -hmm. yeah. They're, they're going to listen. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So be praying. Yeah. You get excited when you get to do yeah. that. Oh, totally. Absolutely. So look for those opportunities. Um, you know, any opportunity is a good opportunity, even when it comes to inviting someone to the game night. Um, and we have some spiritual conversations, and maybe a couple of you would want to share your testimony with the whole group and just do some things like that. Um, we, we do these activities not just to have fun. Like, they're good, and I love to have fun with you guys, but it's not just about that. It's to provide opportunities so that way you can, it can be easier to invite someone to church and to be able to get them exposed to things of the Bible and spiritual things. And other times, you're just going to have wide open doors to share the gospel in its entirety with somebody. But you need to have 
have some confidence to go and do it. So uh, that's what we want to try to do is provide some of these opportunities. So next week we'll have a lot of fun with that and uh, we'll randomly pick questions and have you guys, we'll randomly pick questions, randomly pick people and it'll be fun. It'll be good. It'll be good. So a little bit of gospel roulette. Sure, why not? We'll do that one. We'll just officially name it Gospel Roulette because we can. All right. So with that, let's go ahead and pray. Uh, we'll be done here. And then uh, you've got about maybe 10 minutes or so that are left. So why don't you guys pair off? Uh, we'll open up the door and get some more cool air in here. Uh, but you guys can share some prayer requests and you can be praying for each other. Um, and if there's anything else that's major going on, make sure you share that with the other person. And that way we can pray for each other before we leave. So Father, we thank you so much for our time together tonight. Thank you for your word. It truly does give us exactly what we need if we want to see it. And so I pray, God, that there would be some things that, uh, that we saw tonight that would really drive us to the point where we would be more exercised in uh, praying about the opportunities to, to share the gospel, really meditating on the gospel and knowing it inside and out and just really going and doing the things that you've asked us to do. You have given everything for us. So for us to go out there and put ourselves on the line and to be able to share the gospel really is an honor and a it is a privilege, and so I pray that we think about it that way. And really, I'm thankful for the things that you're doing in our midst and, and the opportunities that you've given us because of our circumstances that we wouldn't have had a year ago. I just pray that we would be faithful. So help us with that. Uh, thank you for our time together tonight, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.